This is Jasmine Dea coming to you from my law firm, Jasmine Dea & Company, located in Midtown Toronto. We are changing it up this season. In an effort to inspire you all to pursue your passion and crush your goals, I have asked a guest host to interview me so that you can hear my story, the actual truth, how it all happened. This is my life. Let's get started. Thanks, Jasmine, for letting me guest host on your podcast. Super excited. Um, today, we're chatting about the firm. And, you know, I know you have a lot to say about this. Let's start by stating the fact that you currently own your own firm. Was that always your dream? The short answer is no. But I'm, I'm guessing you want me to elaborate on that. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I know that for a lot of people that go to law school, um, or even you know, before law school, a lot of people dream of owning their own firm one day. And that is an incredible dream. Uh, for me, that was not even on my radar. I loved practicing law. And I was working hard and moving up through the ranks at the firm that I was at. And that's all I was just working hard and enjoying what I was doing. Um, I was also trying to balance learning the practice of law, building up my my file load with new clients by networking, as well as having kids and having a home life. So there was already a lot to juggle. And it just so happened that over time, my superior retired and I had to make a decision. Either I had to join another firm or start my own. But even at that point, I did not intend on starting my own. I really thought, okay, it's time for me to join another firm. I have a book of business, meaning I've got clients. Um, I have uh, connections for more clients in the future, and I think I'm doing okay. Uh, so I approached different people in the industry, and I am proud to say that I did have conversations with individuals that would be happy to have me at their firm, and I was really flattered, really nice people, but I just couldn't see myself at these firms. And that's where something called fit plays a role. So when you're interviewing, a lot of people talk about fit. Are you the right fit for this, this firm? And I didn't really understand what that meant when I was interviewing because I hadn't worked before. And then I was at the same firm, which is really rare for my entire career up until I started my own firm. Um, I should say very rare these days. There's a lot of lateral movement in the practice of law now. Uh, so I realized when I was interviewing that, yeah, I'm not sure I'm the right fit with these firms. Um, you know, some of them were um, very heavily focused on research, um, which is great, but that's not something that I love doing. I do research when I need to do it, not because it's a pastime for me. Um, you know, but there was other things, sometimes like personality fit. Uh, one firm told me they would love to have me, but I couldn't bring my staff. Uh, they already had staff for me. And that was a problem. You know, I have a group of people that have worked with me for many years. Um, and well, some of them, not even many years, but I just felt that I was responsible for them. And just because um, I was leaving, it shouldn't mean that they're unemployed suddenly. Uh, so I thought, okay, I need to grow up and do this. And so I started my own firm and there you have it. We've got Jasmine Day and Company. 
<laughs> so there must be a process. Like, let's go way back. What's the process to become a lawyer? Becoming a lawyer takes a lot of years, but if you're enjoying it, which I was, it really breezes by. Like, I loved school. I really did. It wasn't necessarily the academic aspect. In fact, in terms of law school, like, I loved business school, which is what I did before law school. Um, but in terms of law school, I did not love the school part, but I love the people that I went to law school with. Uh, to this day, I've got amazing friends uh, from law school, and my law school class at Queen's were amazing. Even the people I haven't kept in touch with, I would not hesitate to reach out if I had any questions or I wanted advice. Um, you know, it's been since 2005, so a lot of years, uh, but I have no doubt that they would be there for me if I, if I needed them. Um, but going back to answer your question, uh, so you need to graduate with a high school diploma. Uh, you are then going to go to get your undergraduate degree. Um, so for me, I got degrees in economics and finance. Um, people always ask me, you know, what should we study in undergrad to go to law school? There is no rule about what to study. The advice I give to people is to choose something you enjoy. And the reason I give that advice is twofold. First of all, just in case you don't get into law school or, you know, your circumstances don't permit you to go to law school, um, you know, if you need to have a fallback. So if you've studied something you don't enjoy, then what are you supposed to do with that? <laughs> you're not going to be you're not going to be happy working in that area. So do something you enjoy where you could see yourself having a career if law school just isn't in the cards for whatever reason. Um, also, the second reason is because you want to do well in law school, obviously, because if you, or sorry, you want to do well to get into law school is what I meant to say. So if you aren't enjoying what you're studying in undergrad, then it's going to be very hard to get good grades. And getting good grades is one of the key factors of getting into law school. So to get into law school, the application uh, requires uh, your transcripts from your undergraduate studies. Um, it also requires your LSAT. So your LSAT is the exam to, I guess, get into law school. Uh, so you want to do very well in that. Um, you know, these days, most of the top Law schools require you to be in the top quarter, um, but all the statistics are available online in terms of what the requirements are in terms of your GPA from undergrad, as well as your, your LSAT score. Um, after graduating law school in Ontario, which is where I'm based out of, um, every jurisdiction differs, but in Ontario, you have to complete a 10-month articling term which is basically like an internship. Now, there are different streams. So pretty recent, I guess you could say, is um, there's different programs if you don't article. So if you do the LPP program, for example, uh, then you're looking at a four-month internship instead of the 10 months. But I highly recommend the 10-month articling term. Don't try to get around it because that's where you really learn the practice of law. Um, and you can make mistakes uh, because you're a student and you're learning and there's people to guide you. Um, so you have the opportunity to grow, to learn, to get guidance from lawyers. And people expect you 
to get guidance and expect that you don't know everything. So you have like sort of a safe zone because you'll learn very quickly when you start articling that law school really didn't teach you a lot in terms of the practice of law that you're going to get at the firm. After you are done articling, um, you are going to get called to the bar. Now, before you get called to the bar, you also have to do the bar exams. So now they have the barristers and solicitors exam, um, which crams a lot of uh, topics into each. Um, when I was doing bar exams in Ontario, it was very different. And I, it's shocking to me how much they've changed it. But they used to have, I think it was like eight exams I wrote over the summer. So we did the bar admissions course and there was a series of exams. So I would do the course for civil procedure and then I would have the exam for civil procedure. I would do the course for wills and estates and then I would have the exam for wills and estates. I actually really liked that format because you're just doing one topic on your exam. Some people hated it because you're doing exams the whole summer and there's eight of them. And then there was an accounting exam and there was an ethics exam that you had to do. So it's just like exam, exam, exam. Um, but I liked it. It was a good format for me. Um, yeah. And then you get called to the bar and you get to officially call yourself a lawyer. That is a huge process. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so articling is obviously like very important. Like you said, that's where you get all of your experience. Where did you article? So I articled at a firm called Fireman Wolf. Um, and Fireman Wolf was a personal injury firm that started in 2005. So it was a very new firm. However, the lawyers in the firm were... I, I was going to say old lawyers, but that doesn't sound so good. Uh, they had been, they had been lawyers who had practiced for many years um, at in different firms. In fact, Mr. Fireman and Mr. Wolf were real people. Believe it or not, those names are real. Um, and so they were doing insurance defense. So they were on the defense side, and then they had flip sides to do plaintiff side and represent the injured party um, in recent years. And then they established Fireman Wolf. Uh, in 2005. Now, as a new firm, they didn't have a lot of money. So they were very short staffed. And they had one associate and they had one articling student. And that was me. The benefit of that, however, is that because they were short staffed, I got to do everything. And while most people would view that as painful, and okay, fine. I viewed it a little painful. As a little painful, however, it gave me great experience. Also, Mr. Fireman in particular, he was older and um, he couldn't type. And I had to go to every proceeding so that I could type and take notes as well as do my own work. Again, very stressful. Uh, there was not enough hours in a day to get everything done. But the experience I got was like no other student in personal injury in Ontario at the time. I really believe that. Um, so so yeah, I articled at the same firm that I ended at, uh, so 2005 up until 2017, I was at the same firm, except it went from Fireman Wolf um, to Fireman Steinmetz to Fireman Steinmetz Dea. Um, so I became a named partner. Uh, I moved up. I should start with, I, I was an articling student. I became an associate. So I was called back as an associate after I got called to the bar. That's the terminology. Um, and then I became partner and then named partner and then managing partner. And then my firm uh, dissolved, uh, given that the main equity partner was retiring. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started my own firm in 2017. Wow. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> so did you always plan to pursue a career in personal injury? Again, short answer, no, absolutely not. <laughs> that was not part of the plan. Uh, it's it's really interesting. Like even as I'm answering these questions, it reminds me how you know, with with life, it's a journey and you can't always predict where that journey will take you. Uh, you have to live and have life experience and then choose paths as they come. And I think that's happened throughout my life. And I think that's what happens to people. Uh, so personal injury is something I fell into. I, I recognized towards the third year of law school that I really wanted to do litigation. Up until then, I thought I wanted to do corporate or securities or tax because my undergrad was in business. So I thought that was a natural progression. It wasn't until I took um, corporate law and advanced corporate law that I recognized and securities law, I recognized that it was nothing like business school. Um, You were really taking instructions from people that had gone to business school and drafting materials. And while that's a great area of practice, corporate law, um, tax law, securities law, I commend the people that do it. I recognize that that's not at all what I enjoyed. I didn't want to draft contracts for people that went to business school. school. (laughs) So uh, what I did really enjoy, however, was being on my feet and being in the court. And I recognized that from doing the compulsory moot at my school. And um, the moot is basically like a mock trial. And through doing that exercise, I realized how much I loved advocating. And there's a lot of lawyers that actually don't go to court. The majority of lawyers don't go to court, even though that's all you see on television. I think the assumption by the public is that lawyers are in court all day, every day, whereas the majority of lawyers have never even been in a courtroom. Um, They're sitting at a desk drafting. And again, there's nothing wrong in that. It's just that there's a um, um, misconception by the public about what lawyers do. So it's litigation lawyers that go to court. And that is what I really enjoyed. I learned that through school. And so I applied to articling positions with litigation law firms. Now, back then, the internet existed, but it wasn't what it is today. So we didn't have, you know, all the fancy websites yet by law firms. Um, And, you know, personal injury back then, the law society hadn't relaxed the rules just yet. Um, So you didn't have billboards about personal injury. You didn't have the ads on buses. I did not really know what personal injury was. As ridiculous as that sounds now, because I think everybody knows um, to some degree, uh, I really didn't understand what it was. And I'm like, oh, it's litigation. This is great. Let me do this. Um, and it, was, it wasn't until my first week, I was hired by this personal injury firm, and I was told that Mr. Fireman was one of the best known litigators in the country. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, that's great. Uh, it wasn't until my first week where I realized what personal injury was because everyone that was coming to our office, our clients were all injured, you know, um, crutches, bandages, wheelchairs. And I was kind of shocked, like this, you know, this was not what I thought I would be doing, but a few weeks in, 
maybe it was a couple of months, I fell in love with the area. I realized that I was dealing with real people that appreciated mm-hmm. what we did. They appreciated our advice. They actually had no one else but us to advocate for them and to take care of them. These were not just, you know, aches and pains, like people make personal injury sound. These were genuinely inju- injured people, you know, um, severed limbs from motorcycle accidents, for example, at no fault of their own, like another vehicle hit them. Um, I had seen... Um, quadriplegic clients, um, you know, without us advocating for them and trying to get them enough money to pay for their future cost of care, um, their lost wages, everything else that they are entitled to receive. Without us, they would not have that. Um, So I was really happy to be able to help people in our own way. Um, And I have never looked back since then. Oh, wow. Yeah. So things just really fell into place like on their own. Um, that's amazing. And it's definitely amazing to see like the direct impact you're making on these people. Um, so I can see why you love personal injury. So let's talk about regrets. <laughs> Do you have any regrets about starting your own firm? I have a belief that I tell my kids all the time and I, you know, tell anyone that will listen. So right now, our audience, <laughs> I don't believe in wasting time on regret. Um, regret is a, a horrible feeling. Um, and so when it, it comes to my career, with respect to the potential feeling of regret, I try to always look at what has happened, the individual situation, and try to determine how to make that negative a positive. And so instead of just dwelling on what occurred that could lead one to regret and feel regret for you know months or years, I, I just feel that, okay, how can we spin this? How can we turn this around? How can we turn this negative to a positive? What have I learned? What can I take away from this experience or this incident that will benefit me in the future and ensure that it doesn't happen again? Yeah, that's some amazing advice um, for entrepreneurs. So what should lawyers and entrepreneurs like consider when they start their own firm? Uh, I'm sure there were certain things like you, you kind of wish you knew when you started. Starting your own firm, while I believe that starting my own firm was the best decision for me. And I love having my own firm where I've created my own, my own style, I guess you could say, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I have a way that may be very different from other lawyers. Um, I believe I'm a real person. I believe I'm approachable. I like getting to know my clients. Um, Obviously, in a professional manner, there has to be boundaries between personal and professional. Uh, But I want them to know that they can reach out to me, that they should never feel um, that they can't if they need my assistance or guidance. Um, I know that there's a lot of people that are intimidated by lawyers. And I hope when they meet me that they realize that there's nothing to be intimidated about, that I'm there for them 100%. Um, So I mean, that's the benefit when you start your own firm that you can create whatever it is you want to create for your firm, whatever fits your personality. However, starting your own firm is not beneficial for everyone. I think it depends on what an individual 
wants to achieve in their life, um, what their skill set is. Um, you know, not everyone will be great at the business aspect of the firm because owning a firm is very much owning a, a business. Um, and, you know, we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, but also there's other things that need to be considered. Uh, the practice area you're in, your geographic location. Um, so in addition to your own personality and your own skill set, depending on where you are physically located, like are you in a small town where you need to open your own firm? There are no opportunities to join another firm. Um, maybe you're in a big city where there's already an abundance of firms. They're well-established. They've already done the marketing. They've already got the infrastructure. Isn't it easier to just join that firm? Uh, you know, depending also on what in what um, stage you are in your career, uh, it's really beneficial to get solid experience with a firm, with good mentors around you. Um, it's very risky to start a firm when you don't have a solid understanding of your practice area. You can fall into a lot of issues there. Um, so there's a lot of different factors to consider, um, but those are some of them. Yeah, there's definitely pros and cons of both. Um, so is there anything that surprised you when you started your firm, especially just hearing all of this? <laughs> so I was already a managing partner of my former partnership, meaning so the managing partner generally uh, runs the business side of things. And oftentimes a firm that has either just the owner, if it's a small practice or medium-sized practice or the managing partner of a partnership within a firm, they usually have a lighter file load or maybe no file load for a period of time because they are managing the firm. Um, so I, as I said, it wasn't a surprise, but what still shocks me to this day is that I have this business uh, side of things that doesn't end. There's always just stuff that needs to get done. And I, I enjoy doing it. I really enjoy the business of the firm, but it's really hard for me to balance at times the business side and the law firm side where I'm running files because I really believe in, in serving my clients personally. Um, so there are associates at my firm and they have files too. But if I have a file, I am running that file. I am not, you know, just putting my name on it and giving it to others to do all the work. No, I'm doing a lot of the work. In fact, all the work, you know, that needs to get done by me is being done by me. Um, so that is where the balancing act gets a little tricky. So as I said, it didn't come as a surprise. I knew there was a lot to running the business side of things, but I'm still shocked at times with how much, I, I call it sort of mind-blowing with how much there is to do with the business <laughs> of operating a firm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so these are really good things to consider. Like if you're thinking of starting your own firm, especially the amount of back-end work. Um, so do you have any advice for law students or even lawyers just getting started in their career? Yeah, absolutely. There is some advice that I like to give lawyers that are just starting out, particularly because of what I've observed um, as a partner at a firm and now with owning my own firm. I've observed that um, generationally, people's thinking uh, seems to be a little bit different and behavior seems to be a little different. So we didn't have cell phones back in the day. So I wasn't, you know, 
sneaking my cell phone under my desk and, and messaging people. We didn't have social media. So I wasn't looking at my Instagram and my Facebook and whatever else is out there that people are looking at. Um, and I, I feel that those distractions nowadays with a lot of junior lawyers or students um, interferes with their ability to practice law and to learn and to grow and to show respect for the people that are employing them. Um, and I'm not trying to, I don't want to sound like I'm lecturing people and I'm not trying to say you shouldn't ever look at your Instagram account. That's not the point. The point is that you have to be able to work, grow, learn, do what you're supposed to do at the firm um, and understand what your purpose is. What's your objective? Why are you there? You're there to serve people, your clients. You owe a duty to your clients. And if you're constantly on the phone or doing things that you shouldn't be doing, um, then you're not you're not meeting the demands of the job. And, you know, you're not going to be that great lawyer that you're probably really capable of being if you're not constantly being distracted by these other outside factors. Um, so, you know, that's one piece of advice. And employers look like I know who's, who's dropping their phone as I walk by their desk. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I find that really irritating because I'm not dumb. Like, you know, you just dropped <laughs> the phone on your lap and hoped that I didn't notice. Like, I, I also can hear um, when you're giggling at your desk. And I know it's not about the motion record you're drafting. Um, so and again, I'm not saying you can't have any social life. I want you to have a social life. I want you to be happy. But business is business and personal is personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's one piece of advice. Uh, the other is respecting the people you work with, and in particular, the senior people. Um, you know, when my when my boss used to ask me, can, do you mind getting me a coffee? Or um, can you can you photocopy this? My assistant left. Um, I had no issue. I'd go to the photocopier. I'd send a fax or I'd go get a cup of coffee. And I, I did not mind at all. He was older than me. And, you know, I've been raised that you respect your elders. And so I really was doing that out of respect for an elder. Um, and, and there's so much more that I did that was above and beyond just being an associate or a student at the firm. And I never... I never thought negatively of the person asking me. Um, I just thought, sure, why not? In fact, sometimes I would say, hey, I I know you've been working really late. I'm heading out to pick up a coffee. You want me to get you one? Um, Little things like that. It goes a long way. And again, I wasn't doing it because I had some ulterior motive. That's just how I was raised. But it it did go a long way. Because what I see now is, is certain people saying, well, why should I get your coffee? I'm not your Aaron person. <laughs> well, you know, uh, it, it's not that that's your job, but we also don't realize when we're junior lawyers, the stresses that the more senior lawyers are under, you know, there's bills that need to get paid. Um, there's clients that are disgruntled. There's deadlines that are coming. And also generally with age, you also have other uh, personal matters, you know, on the in the general course of life, you might have kids at home that you're dealing with on top of the deadline at court, on top of trying to please the clients, on top of trying to teach the students, on top of trying to, you know, figure out how to market the firm to bring in new clients, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of stress on the more senior members of the firm that the junior lawyers don't see. A lot of the junior lawyers feel like, well, we're the ones doing all the work. We're drafting all the motions. Well, those senior lawyers, 
lawyers, I can assure you, know how to draft the motion records. They might have to brush up on a few things, but they were there and they know how to do it. And that's the easier part um, of the practice of law. So it's important to you know, sit back, remember that, remember that respect is earned. It takes time. So if you are looking to be respected, you first have to give respect. Um, and then, you know, the last thing I, I want to mention is that the rules of, of professional conduct, which lawyers are required to abide by, there's a duty in there, a duty of civility. And what I observed pre-pandemic is a lot of grumpy people, including me at times, you know, we're, we're running around uh, from this court to that court. I would be in St. Catharines one day, Mississauga the next, Brampton the next, Newmarket the next. You know, I was all over the place because of court appearances, discoveries. Um, you know, we're doing everything virtually uh, during the pandemic, which has freed up a lot of commute time. And also because we can't go anywhere or do anything because we've been on lockdown for so long. Um, it's given people a lot more time. And I think that also, you know, understanding between like certain people have kids at home that they've had to do virtual learning with. Um, it's caused a lot of difficulty with trying to work from home. Like everyone has their own set of circumstances. But what I'm trying to say is that a lot of lawyers have become a lot nicer to one another. And it's because they recognize all the stress in life right now, but also we're not so stressed out with the running around that used to really tire us out and make us grouchy. And, you know, it's nice to see. It's a silver lining of this brutal pandemic to see lawyers be nicer to one another. And I really hope that we continue trying to practice the duty of civility post-pandemic. <laughs> Let's hope. Definitely. So this was so inspiring and so informative. I've definitely learned a lot myself. The main thing, never waste energy on regret. There um, you go. Love that. <laughs> um, so thank you so much, Jasmine, for answering all these questions. Do you have any final words? I would like to encourage all those junior lawyers and law students out there to continue to work hard and pursue their passion. Beautiful. And that's a good way to end this. Thank you, Jasmine. Thank you so much, Morgan.